you know, I think part of the rudest awakening I had with the magazine was, I think it was a little bit, certainly very naive about if you build it, they will come. Um, and, you know, and one of my friends has put it best. They said, you know, starting a business is like reviving the debt. Um, and you got to go and just, you got to do everything you can. Do you want to impact the world and still turn a profit? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Growth Everywhere. This is the show where you'll find real conversations with real entrepreneurs. They'll share everything from their biggest struggle to the exact strategies they use on a daily basis. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen on. Here's your host, Eric Sue. Hey everyone, just a quick heads up that we're giving away a ebook called 29 Growth Hacking Quick Wins. We co-authored this book with Matan Griffel of One Month, and it'll give you a solid base on where you can create growth ideas from. So all you need to do is text QUICK TIPS to 33444. That's the word QUICK, Q-U-I-C-K, and TIPS, T-I-P-S as in sugar, to 33444, and you get instant access. Okay, everyone. Today we have Babak Azad, who was the former SVP of customer acquisition at Beachbody. He joined Beachbody when they're doing, or when they're a hundred billion dollar uh, company. Um, and I mean, since then he jo- since he joined in two thousand seven, he managed over five hundred million in media for Beachbody and acquired more than ten million customers. Babak, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Eric. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for joining us. So, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background? Sure. So I, um, before I joined Beachbody, I had not done anything in direct response or direct marketing. Um, so I have a more traditional background. Um, I was a math major at MIT, did investment banking, and then went to Stanford Business School. So kind of more on that route. Um, and, uh, and then wanted to start something on my own after business school. Uh, certainly banking was not for me uh, for a variety of reasons. Um, I started a magazine you know, here in LA. It was a free magazine for gyms and yoga studios. Um, I did it for a year. It was not successful, but it was the best twenty-five grand I ever lost. Um, and then, uh, you know, really honestly, I floundered for a few years in there. Um, it was my late twenties, uh, early thirties. I was actually living with my parents, and uh, it was a bit of a rough time for me personally. Um, and then I got into Napster, uh, the free or the legal and public version, I should say. Um, I was there for a couple of years, and then from there, actually, the only headhunter I knew in LA called me up and uh, said he might have an opportunity. And, uh, and that's when I got into Beachbody. So I actually came in on the finance route originally and, um, and joined uh, within the finance department. There was a CFO, and really I was the rest of the finance department. And, uh, and then we started going from there. Got it. Okay. Talk to us a little bit about the, the best 25 grand you ever lost. Sure. Um, so when I graduated, you know, I think one of my professors, um, his name is Herb Grosbeck. He, uh, he was a co-founder of Connell Cablevision. He's a part um, owner of the Boston Celtics, and you know he made a really great point to me as I was leaving business school, which was um, being a math major, investment banking, analyst work, and associate work, and even in business school, it's a lot of analysis and not a lot of doing. Um, and so you can read and do all these case studies and uh, and spend a lot of time from the outside, but really his message to me, if I wanted to be an entrepreneur um, and if I wanted to do board work and eventually do some uh, investing, was um, really to go do. Because from his perspective, the people who are on the boards um, that he was on, those folks who had run businesses and had true operational experience, they had a visceral understanding of how to what, what it meant to run a business um, and the issues they face. And so, you know, I think part of the rudest awakening I had with the magazine was, I think it was a little bit certainly very naive about if you build it, they will come. Um, 
you know, and one of my friends has put it best. They said, you know, starting a business is like reviving the debt. Um, and you got to go and just, you got to do everything you can. Um, certainly 2002 was not the best year to go start a business and certainly not in print advertising. Um, but, you know, I basically, uh, it was me. I had folks, some editors and creative folks essentially working for free. Um, and that's, it was just kind of an idea that we started going with. Um, and, you know, I learned a lot about sales, about managing people, um, and really about ownership. Uh, at the end of the day. And so, you know, as everything was on my credit cards in the magazine world, 25K is actually really little. Um, and uh, and so obviously it wasn't nice to lose that money, but I think it also was a good humbling experience for me. Um, I actually have the magazines in my backpack and it's a little bit of a reminder um, for me of um, just staying humble and, and hustling. And so, you know, it's, uh, it's, I'm not a, I'm not a pessimist and I'm not, you know, trying to, um, linger in the history, but it's you know just about a reminder of like you got to be working it really, really hard. Uh, and I think I was just very naive about that. Got it. Okay, that, that's that's helpful. So you know you joined Beachbody when they're doing you know I mean when they're a hundred million dollar company. So you know how did things look when you first joined, and, and you know what I, I guess what did you figure out that you had to start you know optimizing first? Because I'm sure there's so many things that that you could have came in and started fixing. Yeah, I mean it's interesting. Like a hundred million dollar businesses. That's a pretty good sized business. Um, you know, it's not large, but it's a good sized business. And, um, you know, the, the, these guys, when I joined, um, you know, there were probably 100 employees. So it was actually a decent bit of infrastructure. The thing that was, I think, lacking and really where I think I found a place for myself, and that's how I kind of grew, was there really wasn't a lot of analysis, um, especially quantitative, but there really just wasn't a lot of analysis. And so, you know, they had a guy who was overseeing, you know, IT, finance, and ops, you know, typical kind of thing. Um, and he was really smart, but they really did. There wasn't a dedicated group of folks really digging in. So part of what I did, I mean, I frankly just didn't know what to do half the time um, or where I was going to go. And so it was a bit of self-directed. I mean, it was a bit of a wild environment back then. Um, and so I just started digging in. And, uh, you know, that's, I think, driven. that's kind of driven my philosophy of, you know, when companies get to some sense of scale, I think it's probably about 10, 15 million that having someone dedicated to not just reporting, but analysis, um, the ROI on that role is really, really high. And obviously I'm biased, but I just think, you know, once you start reporting, you just start getting better um, at running your business because things are in front of you. Um, but it was really just start with high level stuff and then just, you know, start digging in. Um, and uh, wherever you kind of can start, you just start playing and digging in and spreading some numbers. And then uh, you start going from there and try to go, you know, layers down. Got it. Okay. Now, when you say high level stuff, can you give us some examples? Sure. I mean, honestly, for some companies, it's, do you know your base KPIs? Do you know what your sales were by day? Let's say you have multiple products by product. Do you know what your media spend is? And actually, are you looking at it? Like a lot of people I know that I've met, uh, especially recently, they don't have just a core, a core dashboard. Um, just to manage the business. So when you talk about fundamentals of sales, media spend, conversion rate, if you're online, um, these sound really basic and simplistic, um, but a lot of people don't have that in place. And then I'd say, once you have that, then it's, okay, what's the next layer down? So can you look at things by campaign, um, by day of week, by time of day? Um, when we had, we had you know things like our operational expenses, fulfillment, for example, we knew what fulfillment cost was, overall. And so the first thing we said was, what's fulfillment cost divided by all orders? And then we started looking at it by campaign because different uh, products had different um, cost structures. Um, and so you start with whatever the highest level metrics are, and then you start figuring out what's the next layer of granularity to, to work into. And so for some, it's campaigns. 
some it's products, some it might be geography. Um, but it's a matter of just starting and then uh, and then start building. Got it. Okay. So it's, it sounds like, I mean, you know, to really start measuring in the in the early days, at least, maybe you're using like an Excel sheet, like a Google spreadsheet or something like that. But as you start to get a little more advanced, I'm sure you guys are using, you know, different dashboards and things like that. So did you guys custom build your dashboards or did you guys any, did you guys use any specific tools or anything you recommend? You know, um, I will say a lot of what we did was in Excel. Um, and, you know, we had things like a, you know, a bit of BI tool, Oracle business intelligence tool. Um, you know, that was a larger scale product. Um, you know, we had Omnitra Sitecat. Um, so we like, by that point we weren't using GA, um, you know, those kinds of tools, certainly from data repository perspective, uh, you need that. Um, and I found that you can put some high level stuff on dashboards, but honestly, um, and I guess maybe this is where I'm a little bit old school, just putting stuff into Excel, being able to spread it, do some pivot tables, things like that. Um, there's a lot to be said for it now. As a business owner, I wouldn't always be necessarily suggesting that, but certainly having someone who is more junior on the team doing that, that's, uh, I, I think there's a lot because frankly, a lot happens in the details. Um, and that's really where, that's where the nuance and that's where those real learnings happen. So a dashboard can be useful for high level metrics, you know, things like Tableau and some of these other tools certainly can be useful, but um, at the end of the day, someone's got to be slicing and dicing. Um, and that kind of has to happen in a spreadsheet or in access or something like that. Right. I, I totally agree with that, especially when you're you're starting out. I, I think when you first start to enter the data and you start to really, you know, you start to really think about it and you start to think, come up with an action plan while you're entering in the data, then maybe you can hand off the process to somebody that's more junior. But I, like you said, I, I think there's something to set, be said about that for sure. Um, yeah, I'm going to add one thing on there too, which yeah. is, and this goes for a lot of things, is about, I, I, I think people try to automate too quickly. Um, and so, I know some people will wait way too long to automate, but I think sometimes until you've done something a few times and you figure out how to do it manually, that's when you actually learn the process. So I'd say if you haven't done something, whether it's an analysis or a, a flow within your org for information flow or you know whatever it is, I think you've got to be able to do it within reason manually a few times because that's when you um, iron out the kinks before trying to program and build that. Because once you build, some system and technology around it, it's a lot harder to change. Um, and so, you know, I think there's that balance point between manual and automation. Um, you know, so I, I definitely encourage people to do some stuff manually first, try to do it themselves. Um, you learn a lot there and then certainly hand it off and automate. Totally agree with that. Okay. So, you know, you, I mean, you, you helped them acquire more than 10 million uh, customers, them being Beachbody. So you know, what worked really well for you guys on the path to 10 million customers? Sure. And so, I mean, obviously, you know, this goes without saying, but just to be explicit, you know, there are teams in that, right? So my teams, um, you know, it was, uh, it was certainly not just me. And I think that's part of the core of it is we hired in some really great people. And so, you know, I probably had 50 or so folks on my teams um, and then managing agencies and third-party um, whether it's call centers or folks helping us out on uh, uh, different kind of agencies we use. So certainly just want to make sure that's, you know, that's very clear. Sure. Um, you know, we were, I think we were, the reason Beachbody grew the way it did and has grown, um, especially on the DR side, is it's a phenomenal acquisition vehicle. And, and what I mean by that is just the creatives, especially to me, TV is the bread and butter. Um, the creatives are excellent. Um, you know, high production value, just great messaging. You know, it really hits people. They're just a lot of, the DR fundamentals of, um, you know, before and afters, how we balance benefits and features, value, all those kinds of things. But then I'd also say like, and this is where um, I guess I'm partial a little bit too, is we were 
really, really good. The company still obviously is very good on the operational side. So it wasn't just acquire customers. It was maximize customer LTV. So, you know, when I go back to the analytics conversation, um, we knew our numbers so darn well. And, you know, we built in a brand leadership organization that part of the goal was to increase the allowable and really what's the customer, what's the targeted customer acquisition cost. So it wasn't just relying on the front end. It was let's make sure that every, all the revenues are maximized, upsells are, decreased returns, decreased chargebacks, decreased our expenses. I mean, literally um, our margin models and, and really the customer lifetime value models, that's the core of the business from a DR side. Because that's, it, it's not just because you like to know it, but it helps to drive action. And you understand and you identify those levers in the business and, and really, frankly, where you should focus. Um, because like everyone, you know, every organization is resource constrained. So I think it's really being strong on both front and back end. Um, and I see a lot of folks who are really great on the front end and uh, they just they haven't hired in or just figured out how do you create that operational discipline. Um, and someone who is just you're just going to be I kind of refer to it as some people like to climb peaks. And so I like to operate at the high plateau. Um, and so it's, um, you know, find people who can fill those different um, roles. Right. And I think, you know, people tend to, you know, a lot of people focus on, on the front end. And a lot of people tend to forget that the back end was where you can really add, you know, maximum value in terms of, uh, you know, lifetime value. In, in term, so I think that all ties back to what you guys were doing on, you know, tracking numbers and being really, you know, really understanding kind of how to, how to grow the whole thing, right? Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, I mean, back end means different things to different people. For some folks, it's what happens on the website or on the phone call. Some it's what happens on day one after they've ordered and some it happens, you know, months later. And I think all of them are yes. It's just a question of figure out where what's going to maximize or at least what you estimate is going to maximize, um, you know, sooner. Um, you know, and, and then certainly there's the whole operational and the expense side of the business. Right. And so I think that's another part where. Uh, it is sexier to to work on the front end, and honestly, if you don't have sales, then it doesn't matter um, how efficient your business is. But once you've gotten something going, you know, going and eking out all the costs, um, making sure you're billing correctly, and you know how you deal with credit card processing and account updater and things like that, um, it's finding the right people. Because and if for a lot of folks who are entrepreneurs, they don't want to deal with that, that's fine. Go hire someone uh, to go do that, and, and frankly, you probably need someone to go to go focus on that. Got it. Okay. Makes sense. So, you know, I want to, I want to learn a little more about, you know, the, the marketing team or actually, you know, frankly, the, the team that you had under you. So the, the 50 people, I mean, how was that team structured? So we had on the TV, TV media side, um, we managed actually media, both direct and through agencies. Um, I will say we were pretty unusual to buy direct um, agencies served a great value for us, um, particularly in managing the, the pikes, or the, sorry, the peaks and the, the spikes in the, in the valleys. Um, so we probably had, um, you know, probably eight to 10 folks there. And then, um, you know, we have a telemarketing department that managed um, all the call centers. So scripting offers. Um, and by the way, most organizations, you know, Guthy and some of the other folks are all basically structured the same way. You may see any people to manage the media, um, the call centers, um, the digital marketing um, folks. So we managed some internal, some through agencies, um, and then had folks specifically tasked with site optimization, landing page optimization, testing, all that. So, um, Jen and social media, um, you know, we had a lot of properties. So, um, that was another handful of folks. Got it. Okay. Now, how did you guys go about recruiting, you know, such a smart team of people? Um, 
you know, I think when you have a brand in direct response like Beachbody, you know, it's interesting because I think the brand of Beachbody is probably not as well known as the products in P90X, Insanity, T25, Shakeology. Um, you know, certainly the, you, you have an advantage, um, and I definitely acknowledge that. And so it made life a little bit easier. Um, but I think part of it also was a vetting process um, and um, being clear. Look, I, trust me, my, I've unfortunately had to let people go because they were wrong hires or some things just didn't work out. So by no stretch were we perfect. Um, but part of it is getting, I think, and I think we got better over time about being clear what we needed. Um, and so I'd say my first few hires, I got a little lucky and got a little bit unlucky uh, on a couple of them. And then uh, over time started figuring out here's really what we need. Um, and, and that just, some of that just comes over time. So, um, there's certainly a lot of filtering you can do on, on eliminating candidates. Um, but it's also being clear. And then the reality too, is as the business grows, some people grow with it. Some people, you know, don't step up into new roles you need them to. And some of them also just want to move laterally. So, um, you know, we moved a lot of people within the org. I wouldn't say a lot, but we moved a handful of people within the org, um, because they also wanted a, a different experience. Um, and so part of it is making sure people have that path to, um, to other opportunities. Got it. Okay. Makes sense. Now, you know, I, you wrote a post for Digital Marketer that I thought was really great. And you talked about the framework you use to manage, uh, to frankly manage over uh, 500 million in media. Can you talk about some of the key takeaways from that post? Sure. Um, you know, most of that was focused on, um, on the front end, and I say revenues front end um, there, and I think it was really about breaking down really step by step through the funnel, um, because, you know, part of what I wrote in there was that I think some people think it's either magical or mystical or, you know, just not knowing where to start, and sometimes it's literally, you know, break down the experience, and so, you know, the six categories I talked about were basically traffic and media, conversion, offers, um, non-converting leads. Um, post-transaction, which you do after someone uh, basically says yes and orders, and then a retention. Um, and it's really about breaking each one of those things down. Um, again, you start with the basics, and then you figure out, okay, what's the next layer down? How do we start slicing and dicing um, the, the different ways of looking at our business? Because for me, again, at the end of the day, I come from a quant background, but analytics and reporting aren't just nice-to-haves. They should be driving action. And so sometimes you do something and you just don't know where it's going to go. But most of the time you should have a sense of, hey, I'm trying to use this to help guide. What do I do tomorrow? Do I do more of the same? Do I do less of what I've just done today? Um, and I think, honestly, that's part of the part I love about direct response and direct marketing is that feedback. And But it should be you use the information to help at least guide. It doesn't always it's not always 100 percent rules based. No businesses, um, but at least helps to inform what you do the next day. Okay, so I, I think something that's really, really important. You know, you you have a you have a numbers based background. I think it's really important to understand the numbers. So how but how does somebody you know where does somebody go to really get better at this stuff without having to go to uh, get, get like an MBA like you? No, I mean, look. First of all, I think most of the analytics. Um, so first of all, some people just you know they shy away when they hear analytics. Like I'm guessing there's some people who have just tuned out because they they heard the word analytics and they're like I I just don't want to deal with it and. Yeah. These are smart people who just, um, um, they're just, you know, whatever reason, maybe in high school or college, they didn't like math or whatever. But, you know, most of the metrics we look at are not rocket science, right? Like it was very, very rare that I did anything that was, I would consider high level statistical work. I mean, you're talking about, I mean, literally the math is not that complicated. Some of it's just 
a comfort and familiarity with numbers and metrics. Um, and and by the way, sometimes it's it depends on where you are at the scale of, of the business. Obviously, if you're brand new, hiring someone is, doesn't make sense. But if you have it, uh, have enough. Um, basically, if there's enough size to your business, you know, bringing in someone to help run the numbers um, is like a smart thing. So it doesn't always have to be that person. Um, and some of it's literally just. I mean, I've got some stuff um, on my site um, that I've got some uh, sample reports, and so some of it's just. But some of it's also just literally like break down your business and say what happens at each stage and what are the pieces of information that I really want to make sure I understand. Um, and uh, and then honestly, like just you just read a bunch too. Um, and so again, most of the metrics I wouldn't say were that sophisticated. It was the fact of a that we did them. We started looking at a more granular basis, but most importantly, we actually took the took action on what we could. Um, and that's that's the key part about it. Let's talk about, you know, what you go, I mean, I mean, so, you know, it makes sense to just read more and, and learn this stuff, but I, I'm interested, you know, what is, what does Bobek read to get better at marketing? You know, what does somebody at an SVP level do to get better? Um, so, man, I, I mean, I read all the time. Um, so, and that title, uh, I, don't, I don't really get caught up in the title of that I, I, I know any or everything, certainly by any stretch of the imagination, I think. Um, you know, the reality was we were like when I was a beach body, we were great at digital marketing. I mean, we were amazing and extraordinary at TV and, uh, and also the creative side was not me. So I'm allowed to brag about that. Um, <laughs> but, um, but you know, when it comes to, when it came to digital marketing, um, like we were great. Um, and I think anyone, anyone there would acknowledge that, especially relative to TV. So, um, you know, some of it was like, I started reading actually like Seth Godin and some of stuff, some of the stuff he writes just to get into the marketing sensibility. But, you know, the Digital Marketer blog is great. Uh, I mean, Neil Patel, uh, I mean, the stuff he puts on his website, like, it's just, it's amazing the detail he he shares, especially when it comes to content marketing, which, by the way, is not a buzz phrase. It is real, um, and that is the way things are going. Um, I started joining some mastermind groups um, and uh, and literally was just start putting myself out there. And then, honestly, too, there are, just, there are a bunch of groups on Facebook. Um, once you start digging and you just, I mean, Sometimes it's a search of learn digital marketing um, and I mean, do a Google search. And if you literally don't know any place to go, like that's a place to start. Um, I'd also say, I mean, especially these days, the podcasts, uh, I mean, obviously this one is great. Um, there's just an amazing amount of free content that's out there. You don't have to pay nearly, I mean, sometimes at all, um, which you used to be able to have to pay to get access to information. So some of it is, honestly, I think if you have trouble finding it, you're just not trying because at the very basics, just go to Google and say, I want to learn about digital marketing. And uh, likely the people who are good at digital marketing are showing up higher um, on those results. That's, a, that's the easiest place to start. And then it's things just start branching out from there. Right. Okay. What are your favorite you know, Facebook marketing groups? Just name like two. Um, so... Uh, I'll say, so I'm a big fan, it's not pure digital marketing, but I'm a big fan of Grant Cardone. Um, you know, you wrote 10X Rule. Um, I think just from a mindset perspective, there's a lot uh, there. I mean, he is very, very aggressive. Uh, and it's a, that's a pretty good reminder um, that uh, you got to put yourself out there and you got to kind of get over yourself a little bit of how, whether it's as the business or the marketer yourself or the face um, of just doing that. Um, I'd say the DM Engage um, lab that Digital Marketer has. Uh, I'm not trying to, I have no connection in terms of financial things to them. So, um, but I just think, I think they've, they've got some great, great stuff in there. 
And then, um, you know, I've bought some of these different products um, that people have offered. And, you know, there's a range um, of, of where I've found value. Um, some of it is a little bit of just learning by osmosis and just starting to think that way and, um, and, and having a sensibility. Um, another guy, for folks, I'm sure folks, if they're into the Amazon business, Ryan, Ryan Daniel Moran, um, he's got some great stuff. Um, it's a freedom fast lane. Um, you know, he's got a great blog and, uh, and podcast as well. So, um, and some of these folks I've been fortunate to get to know. Um, and then it's, I get invited to something else or I get to know some of their friends and then it just starts spilling from there. But, um, you know, I think those are, those are a few of the ones that, uh, that I, and then I'm part of some private ones that, uh, are part of some masterminds that I've joined. Yeah, I think that, you know, the, the key point that you hit on is you just need to start somewhere. And as, as long as you keep going with it, you're going to start to get these opportunities for masterminds. You're going to learn about these other blogs, go to conferences and things like that. It's just a matter of starting and then you'll probably find it. Yeah, absolutely, man. I did not know much about digital marketing, I don't know, four years ago. Um, and I'm not an expert, expert, but, you know, I know a lot more. And um, you just kind of kind of put yourself out there. Uh, and that's frankly, like, that's a lot of what a lot of life is, is, you got to just start and exactly to what you just said. Right. Okay. So tell us about one big struggle you faced while growing Beachbody. Um, you know, I'll talk for a moment. I think about, it's not a, as much a marketing thing, but it's a, um, it's a people. Um, and, you know, to my point earlier about having teams and all that, I think when you start growing, cause I think frankly, also there's just a lot on, on marketing. Um, and so um, I could kind of throw my, uh, my two cents in, but I think, when you start growing, you need people. And whether that's internal, external agencies, vendors, whoever it is, um, I think I think there are two big things. One is you got to average up, not average down as you scale. Um, and I think a lot of people don't do that because they think as they grow, um, you know, it's harder to find better people. Uh, I actually think you got to do the opposite and make sure your standard starts going up. Um, and even though you can afford to pay more, you shouldn't overpay necessarily, but I think it's about ultimately it's averaging up. Um, and the second thing I think is um, how you deal with B and C players. Um, that mm. not only does that affect the work that they are doing, it affects the A players in the organization. Because what you've essentially said when you allow B and C players to remain um, is what you tolerate. And honestly, the people who are A players, uh, I don't think are going to last that long, or going to, or they're going to be a lot more um, demotivated if they see that they're surrounded by people and that especially you as a manager are keeping folks who essentially aren't pulling their weight. Um, and so how you manage that, I think it's, it's really important. Um, and, uh, and at the end of the day, look, if you're going to grow, it's about people are a big part of it. You're, yeah. There are systems. Yeah. There's remotes. Yeah. There's all the other things, but, uh, and by the way, that goes to vendors too. If you've got a B vendor uh, or a C vendor, like you've got to figure out a way to, you know, test out of them and find someone new. Totally agree with that. Okay, so tell us about what you're working on today. Sure. So I left at the end of April. Um, I'd been there for eight years. Um, you know, I'd gotten the itch to uh, to go. Um, it also was two weeks after the birth of my second son, um, and so it was uh, that was fun timing. But um, you know, fortunately, my wife was totally supportive, and um, you know, that's that's a big part of it is is having someone um, on your side uh, that's that's really supportive of it. Um, I went actually to start something with a few folks. Um, unfortunately, it just didn't work out. The team, we just, we had talked a little bit, but once we got into it full on, um, it just didn't work. And so we kind of went our separate ways. Um, and really from the end of July, it's basically been about 100 days. Uh, I've been working with folks um, primarily on a consulting basis, 
um, and really helping them optimize and scale their campaigns, their business. And uh, you know, I lead with what I what I know really well, which is media, customer acquisition, retention. Um, but you know, we can get into other things because part of scaling, as I talked about, is people and org and all these, uh, you know, all the other things that relate to it. Um, but it's really about helping people grow. Um, and frankly, I'm, I'm loving it um, much more. I think eight months ago, if you'd asked me if I was going to be a quote unquote consultant, um, I would have said no. But um, I'm having a blast working with a variety of folks from, you know, seven figures to uh, eight and nine figures. Um, so it's a nice spectrum. Um, and really, I get to see a lot. And that's part of the fun of it is get to see what all these people are working on. Um, I like having multiple clients, um, just like folks have ADD with what they're working on. Um, for me, that comes in on, on, on the projects and clients. So uh, it's allowed me to see a spectrum of different things that are going on. Awesome. So I think to the audience, you know, if, if you're looking for, you know, a, a marketing executive or customer acquisition executive that really knows his stuff, uh, you got Babak right here that you can definitely reach out to after the show. Um, all right. So I want to switch, I want to switch gears really quick. Um, the, what's one piece of advice you'd give to your 25 year old self? Uh, don't overthink it, man. Uh, I mean, I, I got stuck in analysis paralysis. Um, and, uh, and as opposed to just go. Um, so, um, and then at the same time, some of it's like, just don't overthink it and don't try to be perfect. Just get going, but find people to model. You know, some people talk about a copying, like, so yeah, you don't want to plagiarize folks, but you know, if you're looking for investment advice, um, go look at Warren Buffett and just go, I mean, you can go copy what he does, um, or go find people who have the life or what you perceive the life or the business or whatever it is that you aspire towards and try to reverse engineer what they've done. Um, but at the end of the day, like you got to take action. And so, um, you know, that theme has come up a few times here and maybe that's cause I was stuck, um, and not moving for a while, you know, a bunch of years ago. Um, and, uh, but that's really it. It's, you got to get going. There's only so much analysis you can do in thought and conversation at some point, the, the best way you learn, uh, smartly is, uh, you got to get into it. So it sounds like, you know, you, you basically look at the framework and model the framework of, of a few people that, that you admire out there and kind of just build off of that and make it into your own. Yeah. I mean, a lot of, I mean, look, a lot of successful businesses have been built that way. I mean, the key is you find some way to differentiate. I mean, just, I mean, from an, from an obvious standpoint, as an individual, you are different than everyone else. So it's going to be impossible to copy. You're not going to be able to copy them, even if you wanted to a hundred percent. So you got to find, you know, whether it's the process or the approach or, or just frankly, the, the business model and structure, find some things that have worked and, uh, and then, you know, use that as a starting point. You know, there's no reason to recreate wheels. Um, you know, I think like I'm a big fan of finding what's worked and figuring out how to apply it rather than think I got to solve every single problem because the reality is most of the problems out there have been solved previously. Yeah, sure. There are some edge cases and, you know, things like that. And that's what folks like Elon Musk and some of these other guys are going after. But really, when you talk about most of the business issues people are facing, there's a very high likelihood someone else has faced that. May not be in the same industry. Um, and that's an important thing. Sometimes people look, uh, they don't look enough outside their own industry uh, or their own space to, to for those solutions. But very likely the answer has been uh, addressed somewhere else. Good point. Good point. Um, okay. So what's one must-read book you'd recommend to everyone? Um, straight line leadership. Um, I forget who the author was. Let me grab it. It's a, the guy's got a, like me, he's got an unusual name. That sounds um, familiar. Super familiar. It, it is, um, Dusan, 
and I'm going to butcher his last name. Ju, his first name is D U S A N, and the last name is D J U K I C H. No problem. Great, great book. Great book. Um, and really, just I think the core is about how to get from A to B, and it could not be a simpler topic. But it, it just breaks it down of like things you got to be focusing on, addressing assumptions people make. Um, you know, and just the, I remember one of the things was I talked about it with my wife was sometimes people think 17 steps ahead. And yeah, you want to plan, but sometimes like it doesn't matter 17 steps ahead if you're not taking care of what's happening, the most immediate thing. So the long term matters, but if you don't take care of the short term, um, it doesn't matter. So um, I'm, I'm plagiarizing and butchering it, but there's a lot of great stuff. I mean, that, that book, almost every chapter um, has, has a nugget that, uh, that, I, that I took home and I highlighted yeah, we'll drop that in the show notes for sure. So no, no worries about butchering it. Um, but yeah, Babak, this has been super, super in, insightful. Um, what's the best way for people to find you online? Um, probably the best place is my, uh, I have a website and blog. Um, it's my first name and last name, Babak Azad, B-A-B-A-K-A-Z-A-D.com. Um, and then uh, I'm on LinkedIn, same thing there. Um, usually between that, my site and uh, LinkedIn, those are probably the two easiest places to get me. All right. Thank you so much, Babak. This has been great. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Hey everyone, just a quick heads up that we're giving away a ebook called 29 Growth Hacking Quick Wins. We co-authored this book with Matan Griffel of One Month, and it'll give you a solid base on where you can create growth ideas from. So all you need to do is text quick tips to 33444. That's the word quick Q-U-I-C-K and tips, T-I-P-S is in sugar, to 33444, and you get instant access. Thanks for listening to this episode of Growth Everywhere. If you loved what you heard, be sure to head back to growtheverywhere.com for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on next week's value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week and remember to take action and continue growing.